0: The Nets clinched a playoff spot with their win over the Raptors Tuesday, but will Brooklyn finish with the top spot in the East? And just how important has Blake Griffin been to this team? Plus, when will we see James Harden again? We'll be joined this week by one of the best broadcasters in the business. It's Yes Network's play-by-play voice, Ian Eagle. So stretch your hammies, sit back and relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is our
1: place Full Court. On Flatbush. Flatbush. Avenue. It's the podcast. From New York
2: Post. BK. most stars in the sky. The three. It's going! Brooklyn Nets, Kick them to the sick
1: baseline. Next way Next wave! So many the stars, Brooklyn. The crossover.
0: Welcome to Full Court on Flatbush. I'm your host, Robin Lundberg, alongside my co host, former net number 30, Carrie Kittles. Give us a five star rating, write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, please. We appreciate your support as we take you through what has been a thrilling net season. You can follow us on Twitter at Robin Lundberg and at Carrie underscore Kittles 30. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, during the show, as well as the iconic voice of the Nets on Yes, that being Iron Eagle will join us later in the pod. But first, Carrie. I mean, we have to start by saying the Nets clinched a playoff berth. Are you surprised?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Not at all. We knew we were going to make the playoffs once they assembled uh, this roster in the beginning of the season. And then after the addition of Harden, those expectations just went through the roof.
0: (laughs) It's pretty funny because we were talking about uh, the Harden injury last week. And we'll get into that in a minute. But we keep sort of constructing some sort of concern, right? Like, all right, what's the concern for this team? But when you look at it, you know, they they keep winning every game they play against good teams. I think that has to, to bode well for the future. There they sit. At number one in the East. They should theoretically get Harden back. I think they could win the conference with two of the three. And Durant uh, looks good as well. So th- there really is nothing tangible to take away from this team, right? It's all sort of constructed. At, at first, it was the defense. Now it's the chemistry. And, and of course, we, we know it's the, the injury. But is there any real reason you see not to believe? In what the, this team's going to achieve.
1: No, I I think you hit hit on the nail there. I, I think that this team definitely has what it takes. You know, we want to see those three guys play together, preferably. I mean, that would be well, ideal for us, you know, heading into the postseason with 10 games left. Doesn't seem that Harden's going to be coming back anytime soon. You know, we'll have to see about that. Other than the Harden's absence and the injury, the lingering hamstring injury and the concern around that, I think that this team has has shown. I mean, with all these guys stepping up, playing big minutes, you know, you bring in this new point guard, James, wow, I mean, put him in the lineup. He's closing games for the Nets. He's taking minutes away from others. And so, I don't know, it's just fun to be a fan for the Nets right now. I I really enjoy seeing how they've been able to manage all these challenges throughout the season. You know, Blake Griffin has been emerging, you know, filling his role and what the Nets need him to do. Obviously, Uncle Jeff is really consistent. I mean, they have so many complimentary players and Harris and and Brown as well. I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, supporting cast of a super team is not supposed to be this good, especially in year one. You know, in Miami, we saw, you know, that was one of the reasons they, they struggled in year one in, in the finals against Dallas, aside from, you know, the Dallas figuring LeBron out before he added some more to his arsenal going later in his career. This team is really good, and their management of it is really astute. I mean, Mike James, what the hell was this guy doing in EuroLeague? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Who? <laughs> Mike James, Mike James.
0: I mean, I know he wanted to be a bigger star over there, but he comes over here. He clearly belongs in the NBA. He, he can score. He, he, he waved off a... KD last night, I think, and and the the Raptors blitzed him and, and left KD open for three.
1: Watch out for the running white, right-handed hook This guy's got the, <laughs> this guy, he is fast. He's got an extra gear. I mean, he's he's tenacious. He's making these fadeaways against Kyle Lowry, tough defender. I mean, this guy's fearless. Yeah. It, why was he in Europe? I mean, who who missed on that?
0: Well, I mean, I think he did say that he he wanted to, you know, kind of be the guy for a team. And as he got older, that, that carries a load a little bit. But clearly an NBA talent. Uh, and, and Blake Griffin is the other name you mentioned there. Because obviously we've talked about him a little bit. But he's now been on the, on the Nets for a minute now. And... He's clearly still got it in the tank. And and I, I know some people might be bitter about how it went down in, in Detroit, sort of NBA purgatory, if you will, and, and him coming to the Nets and, and rediscovering the, his ability to jump and, and, and do everything else. But there's a, a, a several things he brings to this team. A hustle is one. Uh, I, I think he's been very good defensively, better than I expected, you know, being able to switch and, and do all that stuff, uh, getting on the floor for for loose balls, being a, a bit of an agitator, and then still having the skill that he has. You know, he, he can hit that that open jumper if you give it to him. Obviously, he was the top option at one point in his career. I mean, Blake Griffin might be the, the, the fourth best guy on this squad right now.
1: Yeah, well, I, I definitely think he's the fourth best player on this team. I mean, you know, he can make the open three. As you say, you leave him open, He you know, he'll look at the basket, and he's making it at a good good rate. You know, he's doing all the intangibles. He's getting his hands dirty. He's drawing charges. He's physically, you know, he just, his presence is there. Something they haven't had from their bigs, you know, other than shot blocking with Allen in the past. Now you have a big that's just all over the court. He's switching on guards. The addition of Blake Griffin is is, is huge for the Nets, I think. You know, I mean, if you're honest, do you really want to go up against this guy. He's going to give it to you. You know, he has the experience. The referees have have respect for him you know let him play his game so yeah I, I i think the emergence of blake griffin and finding his fit within this team is something that's been really and deep.
3: i think guys his role became more important once aldridge had to retire because he took on the load for what aldridge was supposed to do too and you mentioned the three-point shot he's not shooting too many you know he shoots three or four a game and makes one or two of them so he's not one of those guys when he starts making them he just keeps trying to fire him up he knows like I, I can i can make a couple but not let me not shoot more than four or five so i think the combination of his three-point ability the veteran presence, and being able to take on the role of what you're missing in Aldridge has made Blake Griffin an important piece, and he'll be big come playoff time And having that, that veteran uh, down in the post off the bench.
0: You know, and what's sort of ironic is we keep talking about come playoff time because we know that's the only thing that matters to this team and everything, and, and even, you know, during the regular season, we'll talk about how it doesn't necessarily matter to them because Durant doesn't play against the Sixers, for instance, when they're going for the number one seed, but there they are as the number one seed, right? Which is an advantage because it helps you from having to play likely home court on the way to the the championship. But when you get into the the playoffs, Kerry, uh, of course, ideally you want to have these reps that we've been talking about. Do you expect James Harden to play before the playoffs at the start of the playoffs or even into the playoffs? The the way Steve Nash has talked about it, it seems like this is going to be still a a while for for Harden before he he gets back out there at full gear.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I think this was a, was a major setback for him um, with the healing of his hamstring. I I, I definitely think that, I don't know. My, my guess is he won't play in the regular season. My guess is he'll probably sit out the first round um, or maybe come back late in the first round, is my guess. I don't see the Nets rushing him back this week or next week. I really don't. I think it's at least two and a half weeks out at the earliest and perhaps maybe into that first round as things move along. But, you know, they're going to err on the side of caution because they know they're going to need him for the conference finals. They know they're going to need him if they, you know, be blessed to make it to the finals and have an to face perhaps the Lakers or or a young Utah team that's running all over the This
3: board. is the worry, guys. If you end up going up against the Miami Heat in the first round, which right now is still a possibility, that's when I feel like you might need Harden with the Heat with those veterans. You're both shaking your head. You think this team will be, breeze through the Heat in the first round without Harden if he doesn't play?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I think the Nets will breeze through the heat with, with Kyrie and KD out there and these supporting casts. <laughs> they can score. And, and, you know, listen to Nash last night after the game. He talked about what they did to the Raptors when they started to spread them out and make them guard in space. That is so hard to do because in the NBA, these guys are all talented, right? I and, mean, you know, always in the, in the past, right, you always had you could shrink the court and have help defense. Now you can't. It's one on one. Well, guess what? One on one Kyrie Irving. Good luck with that. KD, good luck with that. <laughs> James, I mean, they, they just have so many pieces. Miami can't guard them in space. They can't. Nobody can.
0: I, I think they go in the whole conference with two of the three guys. Uh, but, you know, I think Milwaukee and Philadelphia are the uh, the teams in the East. You want all three, four. And obviously Correct. the NBA Finals, you want all three, four. M- Miami, I, I flirted with the idea of getting, them getting back to where they were. But, see, but at some point you are what your record says you are, right? The Bill Parcells thing. Same with Boston. And then these other teams, you know. Don't make me laugh, Charlotte, Toronto, Indiana, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Washington. The, the
3: Wizards are getting hot. Watch out!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I do think that you know the uh, first round of the playoffs, in a sense, is an extended portion of the regular season for the Nets.
3: Now, now, Robin, in the second round or maybe beyond, you might have a matchup. Maybe it would be the second round because the Nets are one, <laughs> and the New York Knicks stay where they are at four. Uh We could have the Robin Lundberg battle on Twitter for the ages if the Knicks take on the Nets. Now, Stephen A. put out a video on First Take, and he tweeted, the Knicks are in the playoffs and the Nets don't win the finals. Katie Trey and Kyrie Irving will regret the day they passed on becoming a New York Knick. Robin Lundberg, quote, tweeted that with Knicks fan challenge. Be happy about their success without bringing up the Nets. Now, I'll let you go through who, what cast and cavalcade of stars responded or replied to your tweet, Robin, but you drew up a, a fire between the Knicks and Nets Nation on Twitter.
0: Well, yeah, first you just had the regular Knicks fans, right? Or, or Knicks fan police, as I call them. I, I used to call them that on a radio show I did back uh, in ESPN in New York in the day. I even had Carmelo do a drop for me because I was I was trying to like build up New York basketball, but the Knicks just sucked out loud for so long. You had to say it, and then they get mad at you like they almost had Stockholm syndrome identifying with their captors so they went back and and found all these old tweets where I maybe mentioned the Knicks and the Nets at the same time funny to me is a lot of times it was when they were playing each other but I mean I'm sure I did it of course I've done it over the time and I I won't uh shy away from being a provocateur at times if you will but I was surprised how much it blew up because I just saw that and was like and didn't think anything else of it and then all of a sudden Jesus from Jesus and Marrow is weighing in saying, you know, sports reporter challenge, uh, get clicks without mentioning the Knicks. And Jerry Ferrara, Turtle from Entourage, you know, he was one of the guys that inspired the thought because I saw him after the Knicks won nine straight. He immediately tweeted about the Nets. And then I saw MSG and the, the people outside of MSG chanting uh, about the, the Nets. And, and I've seen my mentions all year. Like, I'll just, I won't say anything about the Knicks. I'll say like, so-and-so on the Nets had a good game. No one cares about the Nets. It's a Knicks town. You know? (laughs) That's what the genesis of that thought was. The Knicks have been, like, they're an objectively great story this year. The the difference between what I thought they'd be and where they are is, is tremendous. I would give Julius Randle most improved player. I would give Tom Thibodeau coach of the year, but I think the Knicks fans, some of them at least, are telling on themselves a little bit by how often they get involved in Nets conversations or bring up the Nets or even how sensitive they were to that damn tweet.
3: I'm almost scared guys if the Knicks play the Nets. Like for Robin's Twitter mentions, I'm scared. Like no matter what happens, Robin is either going to get roasted or get yelled at for something and I think it's going to happen. I think the Nets are going to get the four and they're going to win the first round because I think they could beat those five through eight teams. I think they could beat the Hawks especially Trey Young and Capella banged up right now
0: uh so i think there's a chance
3: it happens but i'm praying for you robin that it doesn't
1: yeah look it'll be an active twitter period
0: over four games uh, if it does happen.
1: The Knicks fans are very consistent. They've been that way since I've been around. And so <laughs> good luck with that, Robin. That's the lose, That's a lose, lose situation.
0: <laughs> I'll sweep them out of my mentions. Like the, the Nets will do to the Knicks. That's wow,
3: the <laughs> wow. Shots wow, fired. Yeah. Well, right now, the Nets look like they might get the one. So it's uh, it's getting closer. And, cl- and Listen, all those games will be in New York. So essentially, our crew here would have no excuse not to go. Although it'll cost, you know, Robin's third child to, for us to get in. But yeah, we, we could go to all the games. If we want,
0: I've always said that uh, New York is a basketball town at heart, and the teams haven't always let that happen. Specifically, the Knicks, you know, before the, the Nets moved to Brooklyn, so it's cool. It's cool to see it, it it happen. But the the Knicks, I think, if you're a rational Knicks fan, you're hoping this is building towards something and maybe erasing some of the reputation they've had in the, in the past. The, the Nets are, are obviously playing for the title.
3: Kerry was on the Nets when the Mets and Yankees played in the World Series in 2000. That lit up the city in 2000. And the Knicks and Nets when they played in the the first round, what was it, 2004? You know, welcome back to the playoffs. Isaiah Tommy and the Knicks got just embarrassed. This would, after the pandemic and everything we've been through, this would just light up and spark New York City. After, you know, people who left, you know, leave. Don't come back. You you leave us, you know, don't come back. But, like, the city would be on fire if we get Knicks, Nets, quickly, Kyrie, Randall, uh, KD, if we get in the playoffs
1: well right, you gotta think about that right two of the Nets stars basically shunned the knicks didn't even go in for an interview to see what they had to offer and they signed with the nets that's a slap in the face and so knicks fans will never forget that
0: oh there it is Karen getting the last uh the, the, the last shot in there <laughs> the upcoming schedule for the the nets who have just 10 games left thursday at the pacers friday they got the blazers sunday at the bucks and tuesday at the bucks as well we'll talk to the man who will be calling some of those games ian eagle coming up next. We're joined now by Yes Network Nets play-by-play announcer. He also does the NFL on CBS and college hoops for CBS as well. The great Ian Eagle. And and Ian, you know, I I think I've told you before, you know, I'm a tremendous fan uh, of your work. I think you're awesome at what you do. And and I think that whole crew is as well. And and considering, you know, the the Nets a, a super team. Do you consider the team you work with, Ryan Rucco, a good friend of mine, Sarah Kustock, Michael Grady we've had on this program as well, Richard Jefferson, is the Nets on Yes Broadcast a, a super broadcast team that is representative <laughs> of the super team you're calling?
2: Yes. Yeah, I sense. I that people are upset that we've somehow assembled a super team. That that seems to be getting a backlash yeah. <laughs> within NBA broadcast circles. We've been really fortunate to just get good people through the years. I've worked with not just people that I consider excellent partners, but people that turned out to be some of my best friends. Bill Raftery, I was just so fortunate to be placed next to when I got the TV job. But when I was on the radio, the first year I joined the Nets in 1994, I was with Michael Corrin, who Carrie knows very well and one of the nicest human beings, and Jim Spinarkle and Mike Fratello and Mark Jackson and Greg Anthony and Donnie Marshall and Richard Jefferson and, of course, Sarah. It's been... 27 years of a whole lot of joy and that's the way I look at it my personal record I am undefeated I have no wins but I have no losses. That's the great part about being on the broadcast crew.
0: You know, I I think you do a great job in every sport you, you do, and with, with every partner you, you mention, you, you have the ability to dial in on the serious parts of the game, and also, you know, bring some of your uh, eccentric uh, stuff to the the broadcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> How do you adapt to doing multiple sports, working with multiple partners, and and amplifying their talents or or presenting the the product the way that you want as part of your craft?
2: You know, I think because I got started so young, I was able to compartmentalize coming from the talk radio format. I learned how to move a show along, how to integrate and juggle different balls in the air with callers, with guests, with different producers, with different co-hosts. I think it was just such a tremendous training ground. So when I started doing play-by-play, I often viewed it as an extension. Of course, you've got to follow the action. You've got to call the actual play on the court or on the field or whatever sport that you're doing. But there has to be a human quality, in my mind, to eventually connect with the audience. And you can't hit people over the head with it. It wasn't something that right out of the gate, I said, oh, I'm going to reject my personality in this. That that was never my objective. The objective was to keep it informative, to keep it entertaining. And if there is natural banter between your analyst and play-by-play announcer, I think people latch onto that. They want to feel like they're part of a conversation. If it's force-fed, if it's manipulated, if it's discussed ahead of time, let's do this, let's do that, then people don't feel the authenticity. If it's real and if it's coming from the right place, I I think the audience just eventually feels like they're part of it and they grow accustomed to the dynamic. Uh, But in the end, you still have to perform. You still have to deliver. And if you're not providing information that's accurate and pertinent, then all of this means very little. So it is a balancing act. But I do think uh, I've I've tried to at least consciously make a decision on, on how to approach this and and keep it moving and keep it lively. Guys,
3: some people would say this about Iron Eagle. He's not human.
2: There you go, Iron Eagle. One of his one
3: of my favorite calls. of
1: he's not human. <laughs>
0: as a human that did
1: that either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's definitely not human. I I, and I have a question for you about, you know, my former teammate Richard Jefferson and, and, you, and the chemistry you got to develop in such a short time being, you know, calling games with him. I mean, did you see this as as a player when you watched him play, when you know, covering the team? Because I, I, I think that he's done a good job, you know, a really good job of, of transitioning over to calling games with you with his personality. You talked about banter. I mean, you don't have to do much to get, you know, R.J. going. <laughs> Carrie, you know
2: it as well as anybody. RJ is a natural wise-ass. There's just no two ways about it. That's his instinct is to question and to be a contrarian. But he does it with a really smart slant and he's exceptionally bright and he's got a lot of experience and a lot of different aspects of life. So I think he brings all of that to the table when, when he jumped in and put the headset on. I told him that, hey, look, I'm not going to go over everything that we did in the game and then try to work on this or work on that. I said, let's have our friendship come across on the air. And what we're talking about off the air, if it can translate on the air, I think people will enjoy it because... It is natural, and RJ is just an entertaining human being. He views things through a different lens, and he's able to cut through a lot of the layers that some players have a problem with when they try to do the announcing thing. He just gets right to it. He's brutally honest, and he's got the credibility to say the things that he says. He does it often with a smile or with a wink, and you have to be able to determine when he's going down that road. But man, when he's locked in and wants to talk about the game and do it from the aspect of someone that experienced it at the highest level, he's got a real... Chance to be uh, among the elite people doing this for a living because he just brings a very unique perspective.
3: And he's and, and any time guys, someone shooting sixty nine percent, Richard Jefferson will be the first to mention it. And I, <laughs> I, and usually you get a chuckle out of that as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's an old <laughs> joke and an old bit. Yet Richard is not one to stop beating a dead horse. He doesn't care. I, I think the other part too, and and I say this in the best possible way. This is a man that made over a hundred million dollars playing the game of basketball. He doesn't have to do this if he doesn't want to. So I think because he's operating without a safety net sometimes in a way has made him even better that the filter that most of us have thinking about, well, how does this affect me? How could this affect us? He doesn't view it that way. He wants to be a professional. Don't get me wrong. You know, Richard is a perfectionist. He cares about his performance. But there is this mischievous side to him that I think keeps him engaged in doing this. And this is why he keeps coming back to it and doing studio shows and doing comedic bits online. Uh, He's got a real thirst for what this business is all about. And and I think he wants to go out there and conquer it and be
1: a, a major personality across all platforms. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. He's a he's a special character, (laughs) and I enjoy listening to you guys. I enjoy listening to you guys calling the games. It's always it's always a fun time for me. Just thinking back to I know Robin doesn't want to discuss the team too much, but I have to ask you just one question about the team. You know, looking back to our early Nets years, we were doing well. You were calling the games, and you know, two NBA finals. What what do you see in in any similarities in 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 those teams, either in expectations or talent, and, and what they're capable of doing in comparing? to today's team and what, you, and what you're seeing with the, with the constructed nets of 2021?
2: Of yeah, I mean, Kara, you you lived it, so you understand the confidence that it takes and the conviction that it takes. When you believe in what you are as a group, uh, that special team, when Jason Kidd came to town, uh, you were such a big part of it. Uh, there was just a resolve. I never went into a game thinking about how the Nets could find a way to lose. I always went into a game those years thinking about how they were going to find a way to win. And I have a similar vibe with this team. They problem solve, they figure it out, they're resilient. And to me, that's been the, the biggest comparison. Of course, the, the star wattage is so so large and it looms over this team when you've got three legitimate superstars on your roster. But to me, it really does come down to chemistry. It's really hard to win an NBA championship. It's hard. And of course, you have to have the horses to do it. The Nets made a very conscious effort when they were rebuilding this thing to put themselves in a position to attract big time talent. And everything fell into place. Kerry, you experienced it. The The Nets franchise for, for so long, it, it was considered irrelevant. People didn't pay attention. And finally, with that spurt uh, with your group, it started to change perception a bit, but it wasn't sustainable. And now with this current front office, I just think they have a different way of doing things. They believe in their process. And I know there are people around the NBA that that look at this and say, well, the Nets just went out there and yeah, they took the easy way out. No, they didn't. This this was the hard way. They were at rock bottom, and they had to convince people around the NBA that they were a credible franchise. And that doesn't happen overnight. And that laid the groundwork for where they are today to provide a, a place where star players feel comfortable, that their voice would be heard, and that uh, this was actually a situation that could turn into something special. You know, what strikes me, uh, and I go back, obviously, I I got to the Nets a couple of years before you did, Kerry, and the NBA was very different. And even in how we traveled as a group, uh, it it was a, a very unique experience for me to break in at that time. There weren't two buses. It was one bus, the media, quote unquote, radio guys, TV crew was on the same bus as the players. So we really did get a a feel for how chemistry was formed and the banter on the bus. And and when you asked me about Richard, you know, a lot of that in my mind was based on what I experienced back then, the fun stuff, the laughter that would really bond a team together. And the fans never really got a taste of that because they weren't privy to it. And now it's very different. It, it is a separate entity. And I understand why. You know, this this has grown. The league has grown and uh, the demands on the players have grown. And it, it's just, it's different. It, not in a bad way. It's just how it is. Things evolve. But I think back to those times, Kerry, and it means a lot to me because it, it really showed me what cohesiveness is all about and being there for your teammate and being there for your team in general. And, and I got to see that. I got to see that develop. Even you know the one-year carry when, when Cal uh, finally got it going, and that was such a fun team with Sam and with you and uh, with Kendall and with Keith Van Horn and with uh, Jason Williams. I loved that group. I loved that team, and I loved what came out of it. It didn't end up being something that stood the test of time, but boy, That one season prior to the lockout, that was just a fun ride. Guys that genuinely liked each other and played hard for one another.
0: I know. I want to piggyback off off two things uh, you said. One uh, about those past teams and one about the current team. Let's start with the the past ones because I have a tradition here on this show. uh, Whenever somebody brings up Kerry, he he doesn't seem to like, you know, he gets a little bashful when he's being praised. So you've called (laughs) so many different games, so many different players. What makes Kerry Kittles special, in particular, in your mind?
2: Oh my gosh, his athletic ability from the day he stepped on the court, I was blown away. I mean, his the the way he ran, his gait was just a thing of beauty. It honestly, I, I think back on on not just the team because when Jason Kidd came, it did unlock a lot of things, but Kerry could be a one man fast break even before Jason Kidd. Came on board. I remember vividly a game we were doing, uh, Bill Raftery and I. And you know, Bill had incredible sayings, uh, sayings and calls that have stood the test of time. Onions and uh, <laughs> the lingerie is lingering, and the kiss, and you name it. Yeah. So I tried to anticipate what he would say on a Kerry Kittles bucket because he had not come up with anything for you just yet. So I did the call, which was you uh, driving to, r- to the rim on a beautiful layup to put the Nets in front late. And I back ended it with a Bill Raftery impression that to this day, nobody knew it was me. They just assumed Bill came up with it. So I make the call and then I just scream out, Jambalaya! <laughs> and it was based on Gary's <laughs> background growing up in New Orleans. Uh, And you could hear Raph laughing on the tail end of it. And our great producer, Frank DeGrace, who's (laughs) been doing this for 20 plus years and thoroughly enjoys the back and forth in the banter. We go to break and Frank hits the talk back into my headset and he says, isn't Raph the best? And I go, yo, whoa, that was me, (laughs) man. Uh. And they had to play the tape back just to prove that I was saying jambalaya and you could hear (laughs) on the back end of it, Bill laughing. As we go to break, That's and awful. Kerry could elicit that kind of response from you because he made eye-popping plays. I truly remember Kerry getting on the bus his – man, it must have been your rookie year. So you're still mentally – thinking about what's going on in the Big East. And you would add, literally ask me questions like, you know, you got a Villanova score or uh, what's going on here? <laughs> like you you were still living this dual life of your friends and the people you played with who were in college, but you were in the NBA. And, you know, that first season, we know the Nets didn't win a whole lot of games. And then things turned around that next year. I, I just loved Kerry as, as a player. He was a thing of beauty and he was one of the, the great guys for a play-by-play announcer to call just because of the fluidity of his game.
0: Exactly what I was looking for. You know, <laughs> and we can go to the, <laughs> the current team. Iron, Add that to the soundboard, by the way, <laughs> Jambalaya. I love that.
1: Jambalaya, <laughs> <a good> <laughs> you,
0: you sort of alluded to this before, but, uh, this Nets team has been talked about, I think, more than any team in the league. And, and from the national standpoint, you'll get some of the it's unfair. They put all these guys together. From the, the local standpoint, you'll get you know Knicks fans saying the Knicks still run New York or or whatever it, it may be. Nobody cares of, uh, about the Nets. All that noise that comes along with the team. Obviously, people care. Uh, about the Nets. I think objectively speaking, <laughs> they've been the biggest story in the league this season. How do you interpret all that and, and people either trying to discredit what they're accomplishing or or, or say that you know the, the fans aren't there, everything that, that's swirling around?
2: The- yeah, you nailed it. Uh, it can't be both. It can't be nobody cares. And then the flip side, everybody talking about this group on and on and on. I think the Nets have handled it incredibly well. And I, I know... You know, in this day and age with social media and with everything that goes on outside of their world and their sphere, you can get swept up in it. Kevin Durant is a guy that dabbles and will go back and forth with people on social media. I think he finds it entertaining and it fills his time and it works for him. But in the end, you're going to be judged on your results. And they know that. They know that they're going to be judged on what they do in the postseason. Look, having been around this now for so many years, I've seen so many iterations of this team and I've seen this franchise move from uh, East Rutherford to Newark, from Newark to Brooklyn. I'll be the first to tell you that when I heard about the move to Brooklyn, my first instinct was why, why, why would you do that? Why would you enter into New York? into a Knicks area. And I was very short-sighted because I looked at it from the New Jersey point of view. I'm from Queens originally. I'm not a Jersey guy originally. I moved to Jersey when I got the job. I reverse commuted for a year. I was living on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, ironically, in the same apartment building that Ryan Rucco eventually moved into many years later on 85th and 2nd and realized, okay, this isn't going to work. We ended up moving to West Orange in a townhouse. And I had said definitively to my my wife that I will never live in New Jersey. I grew up in Queens. New Jersey is an armpit. That's the way I viewed it because I I was ignorant. I knew nothing. I was a New York guy. So when she said, hey, we we really got to consider moving, I said, well, I'll go to Fort Lee. Like that's the (laughs) farthest I'll go.
1: I have to see
2: see the city. I said, okay. And she's like, well, that's really not going to work. And we went, we looked at a place like in Edgewater and it was on a Sunday and we drove back to the Upper East Side and got stuck on River Road for an hour and 10 minutes. And I said, I'm not living here. This is not mm-hmm. going to happen. So yeah. we end up in Essex County. Uh, we've been in this area now for all of these years. And I think uh, probably like Kerry felt when it was announced, your first instinct was, well, why? Why are they doing this? And now I can see it. I can see how the impact has been made. And in order to take that next step as an organization, they had to do it. So with that in mind, uh, my sense of it has always been that Sean Marks took on this job, had a plan, and executed that plan to perfection, probably beyond whatever his wildest dreams were initially. And it, it was a multi-platform plan. You had to convince players in the NBA that Brooklyn could be a destination. That meant that you had to convince agents that Brooklyn was a place that they could steer their clients eventually. And I think he just had to build credibility within the NBA in order for this to eventually get to where it is today. For me, it's pretty wild to see uh, the the kind of chatter that this team has produced. You know, the amount of requests that even I get to come on a talk show here and there, it it, it just shows you that uh, they really have created interest in the NBA. So whatever Knicks fans say, I get it. That's fine. It's good for the rivalry, to be perfectly honest. I hope the Knicks make the playoffs. That would be awesome for New York basketball. If the Knicks and Nets met in the postseason, that helps the rivalry as well. Meaningful games with something at stake, not just a a random game in December for bragging rights, something that really has some meaning to it. That's what changes the dynamic of the rivalry. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say that the team was irrelevant and nobody cares and then go outside after a Nick win and start chanting derogatory terms about the Nets. That that means that you do care. And that means that there is something brewing here, finally, with the two teams being competitive at the same time.
0: Yeah, I thought the rent in Manhattan was uh, expensive, but apparently it's now free. When you were, you're you doing your <laughs> geographical journey, I, 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 I couldn't help but relate, because I lived uh, in the city for, I don't know, from 2004 to 2016. Then I lived on River Road for several years, and now I live in Essex <laughs> County.
1: There you go.
2: Very good. <laughs> sure. So, I just skipped the step. You you actually took on the River Road challenge. And I said, no, 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 no. This, I can't, I can't do it. I can't possibly survive it. I,
3: I, and I was pumping my fist when you said Queens guy can't leave New York. I'm an Astoria, been here seven years, originally from Little Neck. I, I can't see myself in Jersey. is over there in Jersey. Robin's over there in Jersey.
0: Jersey's awesome, dude. You got, you got the city, you've got beaches, you've got food, you've got everything. You can I got the city,
3: city field. I got Yankee stadium <laughs> and I got long Island all within 30 minutes of me without sitting in traffic everywhere. Uh, and I can hop on the train, Uber. It's just so easy and in Queens. Yeah, so I, I yeah
2: Jake, I, I was there at some point. I was yeah. naive. I'm I also single with no kids, so you guys are married. <laughs> yeah, and children, so. I, I, I lived that life, and then I, I saw a, a light, and <laughs> the light was coming from the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> it, it's yeah. real. It, it's it's an excellent place to live. I will be the first now to put myself in some kind of pamphlet Propping up New Jersey tourism. I'm a fan. I'm I'm a I'm a New Jersey guy. It took a while because people would say, "If I traveled, hey, where are you from? I, you know, New York ish, <laughs> you <know>, the area <laughs> of New York, extended you can always say geography. Queen. geography, right?" So now, what people say, I'm proud. They said, where are you from? I'm from Jersey,
0: man. <laughs>
3: Jersey. As, as long as you don't start saying the bagels and the pizza are better over there, because we all know uh, New York is the king. Robin's shaking his head. I think he's... To-
0: Tony D's in North Caldwell slamming pizza, man. Oh, A- yeah. And, I, I, you know, I lived, like I said, where I lived for the longest time. It, it's up there with any of any it. I don't know about that.
3: I'm an Amore pizza and Queens guy. Um, that's my spot. Ian, uh, you know, we've had you on all different shows. I've had you all different... Every time I have you on, you know, for the 69th time, my dad says, you know, when Iron Eagle started at 2020 updates on the fan, I'm like, Dad, you told me that 68 times already. But your son, Noah, you know, he started basically as the Clippers radio voice. And he's got a leg up on you where he got in the slime zone and you have not yet. Uh, will, <laughs> will you be doing a Nickelodeon broadcast or one of these Marvel broadcasts at some point?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think I may have aged out of of the announcing demographic, but look, I'm game. I'm open to to any assignment. I'm I'm a yes guy. People ask, and I tend to say yes. Uh, With boxing, I've never done a boxing match. I'd never been to a boxing match. I did it for CBS, track and field. Same deal. Had never attended an event in my life. First one that I did, I called the NCAA championships, outdoor championships in 2004. Same deal for golf. I had never been to a golf tournament in my, my life. They asked me to do the Masters with their uh, Amen Corner live coverage. First one I ever did, show it up uh, down in in augusta and and made a go of it and ended up doing it for six years before the NBA schedule got in the way tennis same deal uh, I'm always open to to new things and if uh, there's something out there that I haven't called yet that makes sense and fits in I'm game I'm ready
3: track and field wow, so you went from that's a man's jam to that's a man's run like what's your what's your track and field like <laughs> call?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I had a go-to call per se, but the way that I viewed it as a play-by-play announcer after watching hours and hours of tape to prepare for it is that every race was like a touchdown call. So if it was a dominant effort and someone just controlled the race, that's a great call. If it's really close, then same deal. You build the drama. So I, I actually really enjoyed it and ended up doing it for eight years before CBS lost the rights to ESPN, but I would have done it uh, for eight more. We we would go to, Austin, Texas, Sacramento. Every year it was in a different city. We were in Iowa one year, Arkansas another. I just enjoyed that aspect of it, and there were a bunch of track and field people that were heavily involved, and we would have these production meetings. <laughs> and I'd sit there. They'd say, "Remember a '78?" I'm like, "No, I, I don't remember when Arkansas wanted a in 1978." So I'd I would nod a lot, and then I would Google a lot, and then I would go out there and and try to uh, to make it exciting. And and I found that uh, it was it was actually a really exciting sport to call
3: well i know me rob and carrie would love to hear you and charles davis in the coming years on the super bowl i think that's the uh the is that in the works do we know if that's happening
2: <laughs> uh, who do you have coming up as your guest do you have network executives coming up on the podcast because that probably would be a, a better question
0: for them, but jim nance is calling in right now um <laughs> 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 I, you said you say yes you do a great job on yes calling nets games and on all the other platforms uh, of course cbs as you mentioned the nfl college hoops whatever you're calling you do a fantastic job we really appreciate your time today and and continue to you know be the best in the biz
2: hey i really appreciate it thanks for uh, having me on your your roster of guests has been through the roof on the net side of things i always love tuning in and, and keep we have Sarah up. We'll next week again. so
1: that's pretty good yeah we got
2: sarah coos coming go. we got the whole yeah. crew in
3: the building so
2: yeah, I was, like, I was like an appetizer, basically. That's fine. Yeah. I'm cool with that. I like being an app.
3: <laughs> Thanks for being our uh, mozzarella stick, uh, Ian. Appreciate <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> now I, now I want to eat mozzarella sticks. That's all it takes. Like, mm. I'm I'm very easy on that front. I have the palate of an 11-year-old child. Oh, all right. It's
3: chicken fingers, buffalo wings. We got uh, you covered.
2: Chicken fingers are good at any. Yeah. Oh my gosh! They're, they're, it's a go-to for me. I'm not—I don't have a finely tuned machine like Kerry. Uh, Kerry actually watches what he eats.
1: Thanks, Iron. It's good to have you. Hi, right, guys. The next stop is our police center.
0: Flatbush Avenue. That does it for episode 19 of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush wherever you get podcasts, but give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, would you? For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next Wednesday. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for listening to Full Court on Flatbush. Let's go Nets.